Well, two weeks ago, we started back in to the book, the letter of Romans, that the Apostle Paul had wrote. We started that last year, and then the pandemic hit, and so we took a pause, and so we're, we're back into it. And of course, then we had our life challenge last week, so Lane stepped in and hit a home run of a message. Many of you don't know, he was asked 24 hours ahead because of the way things happen, and he, I came in here Saturday afternoon at 3 in the afternoon, and where's Lane? He's back in the office pounding on a message. Um, when I told him, I said, Lane, just pull something you've done before and just go preach it. He's like, no, I'm not doing that, um, and did a tremendous job, and and so we jump back in the book of Romans, and some have said, and, and it makes me wonder too, like, why? I think it's a good question when you get into a certain topic or you decide we're going to tackle a book. Why this book? I mean, there's 66 books in the Bible. Why not an Old Testament book? Or why not another one? And there's probably good reasons to do all those too. But why is Romans going to be such a large part of what we do this year? Well, the main reason why is it's such a life-changing book. Uh, through history, there is just tons of stories of people who have studied it and read it and dove into it and have experienced life-changing. And, and that's my hope, is that as we study it and we read it and we discuss it in our groups and you read over it and you dive into scriptures, my, my prayer is that you'll look back to 2021 and say, that was a year where I really started to understand the letter of Romans and I got the the great understanding of it, and my life was changed. My, my walk with God has changed. There's a lot of difference in me. See, life change has taken place because of this great letter through the centuries. John Calvin, after studying Romans, said, if a man understands it, he has a sure road open to him to the understanding of the whole of Scripture. He's like, if you can understand Romans, you're going to start grasping the entire Bible and what it's about. Frederick Louis Godet, in his excellent commentary on Romans, called Romans the cathedral of the Christian faith. I mean, that's some strong imagery when you say the cathedral of the Christian faith. Samuel Taylor Coleridge said, It is the most profound work in existence. The most profound work. I mean, it's a life-changing book. And then Dr. John A. McKay, who was president of Princeton Seminary from 1936 to 1959, in the 50s, he said it seems increasingly clear that the chief need of contemporary Christianity and of society in general in this confused and revolutionary time is an evangelical re renaissance. By that, I mean a rediscovery of the evangel, the gospel, and its full dimension of light and power together with the elevation of the gospel to the statues that belongs to the gospel and the thought life and activity of all part persons and organizations that bear the name Christian. He wrote that after studying the Epistle of the Romans. And I look at what he wrote, and I think he could have wrote it for 2021. That basically our world is such a mess and our society is so screwed up, we need a rediscovery of what the gospel is. And we need to impact our culture. And that's the letter of Romans. We need to rediscover what this gospel is. We, we need to rediscover how do I live my life centered around the gospel? How do I do that? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What, what that means is when I study the gospel, when I study the, the, the Bible, and, and I look at Romans specifically, and I start to understand what the gospel message is, that I then circulate my life around that. 
And whatever that gospel is, as I understand it, I say, I want to live it, I want to obey it, that's going to be the direction for my life. But we live in a society that says, well, here's my life, and maybe I'll let a little bit of that word drip into my life. Maybe if it affects my life or if it changes my life, well, I'm not sure if I want to do that. If we're going to live 24-7, we're going to live a centered life, we say, I'm going to study the gospel, and if my life doesn't align with that gospel message, then I will make some changes to align with and be more accurate in my walk with God. That's the heart of this letter. That's the purpose. It's the gospel, and how do we center our lives on it? Here's the, the, here's the whole message in two verses, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This, those two verses gives us the summary of the whole book of Romans. The gospel simply stated as good news. Good news. I think we need good news in our society today. I think we need to turn off some news, and we need to tune our ear to some good news. But here's the thing is, I don't think good news quite describes what the gospel of Romans is. I don't think it quite describes it, because it's not just good news, it's great news. Matter of fact, it's not just great news. I think it's the best news we could ever hear. I called the series the greatest letter of good news, because that's what it is. My hope for you, and my hope for us, as we study it, and as we unpack it, as we break it down, as we dive into it, my hope is that you'll want to live it and you'll want to share it with other people. Well, why is that? Because good news is meant to be shared, right? You get good news. Oh, I received a bonus. That's good news. Hey, I got a job. That's good news. Hey, Michigan beat Ohio State today. I'm hopeful. If that happens, I'll be sure to share it. And I guarantee if it happens the other way, Ohio State fans, you'll be sure to share it my way. Do me a favor, wait until after, you know, later, because i got a commitment this afternoon. I can't watch the game until it's recorded, so don't be harassing me until later. <clears throat> but that's my hope, is that, that we'll get to the point, we're studying the letter of Romans, and we're going to fall so in love with this message, and we'll come to such an understanding of this message, that we go, i got to tell somebody. i got to let other people know. See, the gospel is good news. It's great news. It's life-changing news. It's eternity-changing news. It's the best news that you and I could ever hear, and we should want to share it. Now, two weeks ago, we started looking at the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 1, and I want us to discover six key truths. So two weeks ago, we tackled the first two. Today, I want to tackle the next four, but let's review the first two real quick. The key truth number one is that God gave us the gospel. Romans 1, verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Very, very important that we don't miss this. This is God's gospel. This is not Paul's gospel. Some people would say, well, I'm a Pauline epistle follower. I'm a follower of Paul. Paul's like, listen, I don't want you to follow me. I'm telling you, this comes from God. It'd be like me standing up here and saying, hey, folks, this is written by Brian. Now follow Brian. Paul's like, no, 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 no. I'm pointing you right back to the source, and the source is God himself. He's like, don't miss that. Yes, Paul's blessed, and he's being used by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to pin these words, 
But right away, he's like, listen, you got to understand this comes from God. Romans 1, verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He's like, listen, this is coming from God. He said this is going to happen. Why? Because he cares about you. And he cares about me. And no matter our situation, God loves us. And you were planned. And you're not an accident. And God knew about you. And God loves you. And why? what makes all this possible is the gospel. It's from God. It's God's plan. God gave us this gospel, and this gospel is also all about Jesus. Key truth number two. Look at verse three. Concerning his son, who was a descendant from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. What's he saying? Key little phrase there says, concerning his son. He's like, God gave us this gospel concerning his son. It's about Jesus, who's a descendant of King David, and Jesus who claimed to be God. He's the son of God. God's his father. He's one with the father and one in purpose. And so Paul, right from the very beginning, is like, listen, this gospel comes from God. It centers around Jesus. The fact that Jesus came, the fact that Jesus took our sin, that Jesus took our place, and because Jesus lives, we have the opportunity to live as well. Right there in the first four verses. Enough for us to chew on for quite a while. But that was two weeks ago. So let's move into the next four truths today. Key truth number three. The gospel moves us to obedience. Look at verse five. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. We operate, in other words, under faith, not law. The NIV says obedience that comes from faith. In other words, this faith should create in us a desire to please God. We move away from, I have to, to move to, I want to. See, we move away from reducing Christianity to a bunch of laws. I have to go to church. I have to go to Bible study. I have to spend prayer time. I have to memorize scripture. I have to be good. That's a law-based living. But when your faith starts to grow in Jesus, you say, I want to go to worship. I want to open my Bible. I want to start my day praying. I want to read the Scripture. I want to memorize the Scripture. I want to be in fellowship. There's a total different mindset because in us, our faith creates a desire to please God. See, I never dreamed that I would be a preacher. And if you knew me in my teenage years, you'd probably go, yeah, we never thought you'd been a preacher either. But when at 12 years old, my youth minister spoke in my life and said, Brian, you're going to be in the ministry one day. I said, you're absolutely crazy. I'll never do that. I pushed back against God's rules for living and God's direction. But as I grew in knowing who Jesus is, and as I grew in my life with, with the gospel, he started changing me, and things started to change where I wanted to please God more. And I imagine many in this room have experienced that. And that's the idea Paul's talking about here. When you meet Jesus and you understand what He has done for you, you grow in a hunger and a desire to please Him, and your obedience grows. See, when you love God, you want to do what is right. When a person comes to Christ, it changes you. When you start to understand the death and the burial and the resurrection, you change not because of legalism, but because of His great love. You say, oh my goodness, what God has done for me and the path He has paid for me and the hope He has given me, I I want to please Him. And as your faith grows, 
and your desire for God grows and your love becomes, grows, you move from I have to to I want to because I love God. I want to. It should grow so much that you go, I can't go without him. I, I want to be with him. I want to be with his people. I want to do things because he's changed my life. I want to live and honor him. That's the gospel of obedience. Key truth number four, that this gospel is for everyone. Look at the end of verse 5. For the sake of his name among the nations. Among the nations. In other words, it doesn't matter what your background is. That God's will is that everyone would experience and know Jesus Christ. Look at verses 14 and 15. I am under obligation, Paul says, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Paul's like, listen, those in the civilized world and those who are outside of the civilized world, every human being, the gospel is good news. Whether you're educated or uneducated, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you have black skin or white skin, whether you speak English or you speak Spanish, whether you speak Chinese, whether you're old or whether you're young, it doesn't matter. This gospel is for you. Paul's like, church, you got to get this. You've got to understand this. The, the idea here that Paul is talking about is the idea of being a debtor. That, that Paul says, I owe or I'm obligated. How do you owe somebody? Well, they've given you a loan. What do you do? You pay them back. If someone gives you something though, of great value and they put it in your hands to be responsible, that's another way you, you owe something. For example, if if, say, Jason walked up to me today and said, Brian, man, I've got something for you I need you to help me with. What's that? And he pulls out this brand new basketball that's never been dribbled on a floor before and is sparkling brand new, and Michael Jordan's name's inscribed on the side of it. He says, hey, I've got a responsibility. Can you help me out? I can't get to John's house, and John lives in Tennessee. Can you take this to John for me? And I say, yeah, I'll take that. And I'm holding this basketball signed by Michael Jordan great value to that basketball right not mine i owe it to john because jason has passed the responsibility on to me it's kind of what paul is saying paul's like listen god has given you this gospel not to say oh great it's mine no he's given to us say give it away don't just hold it for yourself give it away freely you've received freely you give paul says i received it but my job also to give away to everyone, the person at work, the neighbor who drives you crazy, the ex-wife or ex-husband who doesn't know Jesus, the ch your children that you are raising, the, your, your co-workers you interact with, the people at the grocery store, everybody we interact with, it's our job to give it away. Paul writes to the church in Colossae. He says, Him we proclaim, warning, everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this I toil struggling with all his energy that he so powerfully works within me look at this verse with me again on the screen if you're online I want you to type in the comments just the word everyone him we proclaim warning who Y'all, are you really with me? Take your mask down if you have to. We proclaim to a few, 
No, yeah, everyone. Do we proclaim just the people who look like me? No, he says to everyone. Do we proclaim just to people who are in the same social status as me? No, we proclaim to everyone. To everyone. And teaching who? Everyone with all wisdom that we may present who? Just a few people? No, he says everyone. I want everyone mature in Christ. And Paul says, this is my life mission, and I struggle with all his energy, in other words, the energy that God puts inside of me, so that everyone will know Christ and grow in Christ and be discipled in Christ, is what he's saying. That's our job, church. My prayer is as we go through the book of Romans, we get so on fire that we start going, I got to share with some people. I got to open my mouth. I can't hold on to this gift I have. I can't hold on to this good news. I can't hold on to this great news. I now understand it, and it's just going to bubble out of my mouth, and I can't control from keeping it in. You know, that's what happens when you really get good news that you understand. You can't control it. You just like, I got it. It just kind of just comes out. It just comes out. And, and my concern would be that if it's not just coming out, then we probably haven't fully grasped it yet. My prayer is God takes us there. Key truth number five is power is in the gospel. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me just ask us a question in this room today. Are, are you ashamed of the gospel? You may not want to answer that out loud. How, how can we know if we're ashamed? We, we, are either, we are either fall in two categories, I think. We either fall in being ashamed or we fall in a category of being uninformed or, or, or unaware, not fully understanding. Say, well, how do I know if I'm ashamed? Well, just look back over the last month and ask yourself, how many times have I shared Jesus with somebody? How many times have I actually spoken his name? When people are hurting and people need hope and people are struggling and they're going through this pandemic now 12 months in and they're going, I'm worn out. I don't know how I'm going to keep going. I can't keep going. Have you taken the opportunity to say, let me tell you how I'm making it through? Let me tell you how the Lord, yes, this has been hard and it's been a struggle, but let me tell you about Jesus who has helped carry me through this journey. We have a huge opportunity. And if you go, I haven't done that, well, then it's fair to ask the question, am I, un, am I ashamed or am I just uninformed? It's a real question all of us need to answer. If I'm ashamed, well, I just don't open my mouth. If I'm uninformed, I don't open my mouth. I've got I to get myself more informed. My hope is that we grow through this and we become informed and we become unashamed. We go, I'm going to tell everybody. Is it going to be perfect? Mm, probably not. Will I speak it just right? Mm, probably not. But here's the truth. It's the power of God. So when you share the gospel, you're giving them power for salvation and deliverance and healing and wholeness. And everyone you meet needs the gospel. John Bunyan said, the power is not in the gospeler, it's in the gospel. So in other words, the people open their mouth, that's not where the power is. The power comes from those who are willing to share it. Do we do it perfectly? Nope. Do I preach perfectly? Nope. Y'all could have said amen right there, gave you an opportunity. But the power is not in, in how it's delivered. The power is not in exactly how it's said. The power is, is in, the, in the gospel message. See, we share the gospel... And then we trust God to do His work. See, there's power in sharing it. And as you speak it, the gospel has the power to change lives, the power to save, the power to bring wholeness, the, the power to move people from dark to light. That word power in the original language is actually dunamis. 
which is where we get our word dynamite. So when you speak the gospel and you share the gospel message of Jesus, boom! Gotcha, didn't I? That's what happens. There's dynamite. When you speak the gospel, there's dynamite. It can, there's an explosion that can take life in somebody's soul. Great things can happen. There's another definition of power, which also means prescription. The doctor writes out a prescription of medicine to heal you. Trust me, we left the hospital with a stack of prescriptions and medicines. And they said, here, take these and follow this schedule and bring your daughter back to health and healing. You know what we did with those medicine prescriptions? We stuck them in this little folder and we protected it with our life because we knew, hey, this is Lily Grace's prescription back to health and wholeness. And then we follow the doctor's order step by step, hour by hour. That's why we set our alarm clock for, 11, or for 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. And I was getting up every night. Brian is a nurse during the day. She did it 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock. And we kept the schedule. Because there is a prescription to follow, to heal. That's what the gospel does. It's a prescription to change life. And just one dose of the gospel can change someone's heart forever. Can change someone's life forever. That's my prayer. My prayer is, church, we grow in this, and this becomes a year we go, man, we're going to be gospelers. We're just going to start sharing it. We're going to start proclaiming it. We're going to start speaking it by the power of the Spirit that we sang about. We're calling upon the Spirit. Lord, your Spirit come. Your Spirit come. Your Spirit do a work. Your Spirit take over and empower me to share your gospel message. God gave us the gospel. It's about Jesus. The gospel moves us to obedience. It's for everyone. There's power in it. And key truth number six, righteousness is available through the gospel. See, without righteousness, we're facing a sin death. Romans 3.10 says that no one is righteous, not one. And then Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, no one will make it to heaven on their own good works. I don't know about you, but I know that I struggle or have struggled in my life at times where you kind of walk in this, here's my good list and here's my sin list. And at times, our humanity starts to think, as long as this list is good, as long as this side of the scale is greater than this side of the scale, I'm probably okay. And that's what our human mind goes to. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And what Paul's talking about, he's talking about an eternal death. It's an eternal death of separation from God forever. Now, we don't like to hear the word hell, but it's a real place that the Bible describes very distinctly. It's a place of torment, and it's a place that is eternally separated from God forever. And death entered this world through sin. And we are unrighteous, and we are guilty as charged. And human wisdom says, I know I'm guilty, so I must do some good. I know I have some bad stuff over here. I don't like to use that word sin, but I know I have some struggles. But boy, I hope this list is growing, and when I get before God, hopefully this is real big and this is real little, and He sees that. It's a lie from the evil one. We cannot balance the scales of sin. No amount of money, no amount of service, no amount of church attendance. We are without hope until the gospel came. 
And Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, for it is written, The righteous will live by faith. How is our sin done away with? The righteous will live by faith. This verse clearly explains it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin. So when Jesus goes to the cross, he's carrying the sins of the world on his shoulders and on his back. He carried your sin. He carried the sins of people before us and the sins of people who come after us. He puts it all on his shoulders, carries it all so that we can become righteous. He took our sin. Did Jesus become a sinner? No, he didn't become a sinner. He took the penalty. God on the cross laid our sin on him and then treated him as our sin deserved. What did our sin deserve? Punishment. Deserved to have punishment. And Jesus took the punishment. When we put our faith in him, then God puts his righteousness on us and treats us as Jesus deserves. It's an amazing picture. It's a beautiful picture. It's great truth. It's the best news you could ever hear today. And it's the best news we could ever share. To look at someone and say, listen, you are trying so hard to be so good when you have all this. Just stop all that and put your faith in Jesus and let him take care of that. Does that mean it will change me? Yeah, if you've really been changed by the gospel, yeah, you'll probably start doing more good, not because of law, but because I love Jesus so much and my life has been changed. I'm doing a whole bunch of good things and this is becoming less and less and less. But not because I'm trying to earn it, it's because I love God that much. It's the best news you could ever hear, that God treats you like he treats Jesus. Watch this video. I think it summarizes what I've been saying over these last two messages. The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you, we have won, and now you're no longer slaves, you're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely. So repent, repent from all the ways you run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me, because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me, because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel, that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more.
want you, if you're online with us, I want you to type these words in the comment, if you will. If you're in the room with me, I want you to repeat after me. I am free. Let's do that again. I am free. That's the gospel. You're free because of what Jesus has done when you put your faith in Him. You trust Him for your salvation. You trust Him to take care of your sin challenge. You're free. You're not in shackles. You're not in chains. And Paul says, this is the gospel. This is good news. And remember this every week as we come to a time of communion and gather here together to celebrate. If you're at home, pray you have communion emblems with you. I want to invite you. We're going to pray and invite you to partake. But as you partake today, I want you to celebrate freedom, good news in Jesus Christ. You say, I don't understand that freedom. I don't know what that means. I don't understand this righteousness. Well, as we sing, there will be a few of us at the foot of the cross. Prayer team, myself, will be over there. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you about your righteousness, your walk in Jesus. How do I receive this free gift of salvation you're talking about? We'd love to help you on your journey with Christ. Father God,